0: So good afternoon everyone. I hope you had a good day so far. And if not, uh, or either one, if or if not, you're gonna have a better day from this point on. Not because it's me who's gonna speak here, but because we open the word of God and we're gonna have a good time now and later on uh during this day. So really happy to um yeah that we can join you here in this conference. We Looked yesterday in the Genesis 37. Today, we're going to have a look at chapter 39. Before we go uh, more into the details or say something more, maybe we read at first this chapter. We already gave uh, people a different part to read. So we read chapter 39 from verse 1 to 21. And Salvatore starts with verse 1 to 7.
1: Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken down into Egypt, and Potiphar and officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to propose in his hand. So Joseph Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him an overseer oversee of his house and all that he had put all that he put under his authority so it was from the time that he had made him oversee of his house and all that he had that the lord blessed the egyptian's house for joseph's sake and the blessing of the lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field thus he left all the that he had in joseph's hand and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate now joseph was hand handsome in form and appearance and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast long longing eyes on Joseph and she, she said lie with me
2: but he refused and said to his master's wife look my master does not know what he- is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hand there is no one greater in this house than I nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife how Then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her, to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time, when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of her ha- house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought into a- us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice.
3: And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew the Hebrew servant who you brought to us came in to me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did not Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. And Joseph's master took him and put him in in into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confronted, and and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the in the sight of the keeper of the prison.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Yes. Before we go into the details of the chapter, we have to say what's the subject for today. Today's subject is Joseph in Potiphar's house, and we have seen yesterday something out of chapter thirty-seven, where we found found Joseph in the father's house, and uh, we have seen the beauty and the uh, richness that is there in the relationship between Joseph and his father, or we can say the Lord Jesus and his father as well, and as we find. Um, Joseph here. It still continues to be a type of the Lord Jesus, and we want to look today in this chapter that is full of practical and um, full of yeah um, uh, or full of the Lord Jesus, so to speak. Uh, in these two parts, at first we want to have a look what speaks of the Lord Jesus, and then we have a look what can we learn practically from it, and we follow. Each time the full chapter, because otherwise we might get confused, and so we can be more focused on one subject each time. Why does the um, do we do we read chapter 39 instead of chapter 38? 30, chapter 38 is a different chapter that does not fit exactly into that story of um, of, of Joseph, but is a parenthesis that speaks of the family of Judah. This is not a very pleasant uh, chapter. It's um, very sad, we have to say. But um, it's just a parenthesis that is in between. But now from chapters 37 at the end to here, chapter 39, in the beginning, we see that it just continues the story of Joseph. I think this is uh, important that we follow this thought through. When we speak about the Lord Jesus as um, type, oh, uh, Joseph as a type of the Lord Jesus, we have to keep in mind that there are always similarities to the Lord Jesus and differences. And when we have that in mind, we look at this chapter, we see some similarities and differences. At first, we um, see that Joseph was a slave here. When we look into the first verse, it says that Joseph was brought down to Egypt. So Joseph was not voluntarily in Egypt. We still remember that this was he was a young man around about 17 years and he was not voluntarily uh, working at slave or as a slave. But the Lord Jesus when he came on this earth he was voluntarily here and he made himself voluntarily as um uh, a bond servant we, we have this verse in Philippians chapter two that makes this very clear that's a well known verse um <clears throat> he said um it said there in uh, verse six, who subsisting in the form of God did not esteem it an object of rapine to be an equality with God, but then but emptied himself, taking a bondman's form, taking his place in the likeness of man. So he took the place of a bond servant himself. And this is a huge difference between Joseph and the Lord Jesus. So when Joseph was brought to the place, the Lord Jesus came voluntarily on this earth to serve. And we find this connection in Mark chapter 10. When we look there in this uh, in in this well known verse in in verse forty five we read uh, for also the Son of Man did not come to be ministered to but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. So there we have the connection Joseph in Potiphar's house is a picture of the Lord Jesus as the servant, and when we connect chapter thirty seven with the Gospel of John as we did last night, we can connect. Chapter 39 with the Gospel of Mark, which speaks about the Lord Jesus as the servant. I think this is a wonderful connection that we find even in these Old Testament um, scriptures, these wonderful connections to the Gospels. And we can clearly um, see the connection in between. When or how else can we see that Joseph is here a slave in this chapter? I think in verse 12, and I'm not mistaken, let me check it again. No, it's not verse 12. It's uh, verse 14. It says that this woman, this wife of of Potiphar, he said that, that a Hebrew man, that Joseph was called a Hebrew man. And the Hebrew man reminds us immediately to two people or two occasions in Scripture. First to Abraham. He was called a Hebrew, or he was a Hebrew man. And secondly, it reminds us to uh, Exodus 21, where we find the Hebrew servant. And this Hebrew servant in Exodus 21 is also a prefigure or a type of the Lord Jesus. And this gives us another connection that we find here. Hebrew means coming from the other side. So this is the connection that we find. The Lord Jesus, he came from heaven to earth. He was indeed a stranger here in the same way as Joseph was in Potiphar's house. He was not his home country. He was not at home there, but he worked there. He ministered there. He was a slave there. When we look into this Hebrew servant as a prefigure, we find as well that this speaks someone who voluntarily did something, right? He said that he did not want to go out for free. He just wanted to stay because of his love to his master, to his wife, and to his children. And this makes this picture even more beautiful when we see the Lord Jesus as servant. He loved God, the master, God, speaks of God. The wife speaks of the assembly and his children speaks about every single believer. And this is so beautiful. This love brought him on this place on earth to minister and not to be ministered uh, uh, unto. And this is so great that the highest person or the highest um yeah we can say the highest person made himself emptied himself made himself to be a bond servant on earth we cannot fathom that right the one who commanded the one word and it was he became a bond servant himself and he still is it never it, did, it never he said it made he take oh, what was the expression sorry but in in philippians 2: we we read that this does not stop, right? He did not, it's not just for for a few minutes, it was not only for, for 30 years, no, he, he is still in this way the servant and will be the servant forever, even though he's now glorified in heaven, for sure. When we look now um, into these details of this this chapter, we find in verse 2 that it's said that Jehovah, the Lord, was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. So we find here the first hint um, again to the Lord Jesus. When we look into the Lord Jesus' life, we see that God was with him. We find three times in scripture that um, uh, people or or it is said about him that God was with him. One very um, well known probably well-known verse, is in Acts chapter 10, where we find the Lord Jesus, um, where it's said about the Lord Jesus, Jesus, who was of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went through all quarters doing good and healing all that were under the power of devil, because God was with him. So there we see as well, a wonderful connection between Joseph and uh, the Lord Jesus. Another scripture that says, is in Acts chapter 7, verse 10, that uh, it says even here, no, sorry, that's not, yeah, that was that, that Joseph, it said here about Joseph, that God was with him and that he delivered him out of all his tribulations. But another Scripture that we find is in John chapter 3, because there other people around him. They said in um, in verse 2, they said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art come, that thou art come a teacher from God, for none can do these signs that thou doest unless God be with him. So the people around him they recognized the Lord Jesus as one who was that God was with him. And I think in the behavior how Joseph acted it was also seen that God was with him because um as we read that he was a prosperous man and um, we come to the practical side of it later on now we stay with the with the Lord Jesus as the anti-type of Um, Joseph. When we look then further in the next paragraph from verse 3 to 5, as we can see, uh, we see that even the house of Potiphar was prosperous and everything did did go well, right? Everything that that Joseph touched was, so to speak, a success. And this is something that we all sometimes wish. But we see that this is also connected with, with the Lord Jesus. When we look into the Gospel of Luke, where we find the Lord Jesus as um, the, the perfect man, we see how he grows. Everything that um, uh, Joseph, or Joseph grew in, in this sense, and the Lord Jesus was even in a young age also growing, and it was seen to the people and we look into Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, they have these two verses in verse 40. It says, and the child is the Lord Jesus, cruel and vague, strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was upon him. And then 52, and Jesus advanced in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And I think there is the, the another connection it was not only with God, but it was also with man. So it was the the the, the perfect um, or the this this very good behavior of Joseph was not only recognized by God, but also by man. In the same way, it was with the Lord Jesus. It is not reported about the Lord Jesus what exactly it was, because we don't read much about the first thirty years of the Lord Jesus' life. But we know that he grew in favor with God and man. And this is precious when we see that uh, in these small details that we find, probably small details that we find in scripture, we have the connection to the Lord Jesus. In verse 6, it says then, and Joseph was of beautiful form and beautiful countenance. So he was a handsome man, as we said, as, as we would say today. And it is true. Uh, we have another handsome man in Scripture. Was, for instance, David, right? He was also beautiful. But it reminds us on the outward appearance that that there was on on Joseph. But we all know that it is also, um, or that God does look into our hearts, right? From First Samuel chapter sixteen. That God does not judge the outward appearance, we come to the practical point later, but mainly looks into the heart. And it reminds us of the Lord Jesus' perfectness, right, in every detail in his heart. Of him, it's what we just have in the Song of Songs and Sundays, of him it could be said uh, that he is altogether lovely, right, that's what we have in, in Song of Songs, chapter 5, I think verse 12, or Psalm 45. That's another very in, interesting verse in, in this connection. It says in verse 2, Thou art fairer than the sons of man. And this is this does this not and this does not speak about the outward appearance. Because when we look at the outward appearance of the Lord, we have to look in Isaiah, in Isaiah 52 and 53. And what do we read about the outward appearance of the Lord Jesus? And this is interesting there because it says in verse 14, his visage was so mirrored more than any man, and his form more than the children of men of men. So there was no beauty outwardly. In first, in chapter 53, the verse 2 at the end, it says, There is no beauty that we should desire him. I think that the outward appearance of the Lord Jesus indeed uh, was recognized under all these things he suffered and was not probably the most uh, beautiful um, appearance that you can imagine. But we see that God looks into the heart and looks into the character of someone. What is inward, the inward beauty is that what God appreciates the most and what he saw in the Lord Jesus, um, that he could say, uh, this is my beloved, right? So, uh, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. This is God's view on the Lord Jesus. How beautiful is that, that we have Joseph in these small details here, um, seeing a part of that. Then we come to the temptation of the Lord, uh, of of Joseph. And we, we we look into um, Genesis 39, nine first, first seven to twenty in this paragraph now, and we see that Joseph <clears throat> um, was brought here, or he had to work in that house, right? He could not choose where he would work, so he had to work in that house, and um, there was this woman Potiphar's wife, and. She, as it said, raised his eyes on Joseph. So she wanted to uh, be intimate, sexual intimate with Joseph. But Joseph knew that this was sin and he refused that. But in the same way as Joseph was tempted, the Lord Jesus was tempted by the devil. And we can connect that with Matthew, for instance, Matthew chapter 4. Uh, In the first 11 verses, where um, we find the Lord Jesus in the wilderness. And after 30 days, um, the Lord Jesus, he was tempted of the devil. And it's interesting here that Joseph, he said, um, how could I do this great wickedness against God, right? And he knew that he was always under the eyes of God. He knew That every sin was at first against God, but the Lord Jesus, He also um, answered to the devil. Of course, He could answer a little bit different than Joseph. This is something we could not answer. Uh, He said, "You shall not." uh, What is the expression? "And thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God." So the devil, he was defeated or defeated by the Lord Jesus. Because, oh, um, yeah, not, yeah, defeated by the Lord Jesus, we can say that, because he was God himself and he could not tempt anything. The moral character of the Lord Jesus was perfect in every detail. You have the three verses in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Uh, we read, for instance, about the uh, perfectness of the Lord Jesus. I just mentioned these verses. Um or oh, I can read them better because I, my English qu- skills of quotation are not very good. So it says that he who knew not sin. This is the first uh thing that we learn about the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus did not know sin. The second part is that what we find in um um first John. First John three, and there it says, verse five. In him is no, in him sin is not, or is no sin. In him sin is not. So the Lord Jesus did not know sin. In him is no sin, and we learn from First Peter chapter two that the Lord Jesus did know sin. First Peter. G- um, um, First Peter, chapter two, verse 22, it says, who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. So these three parts, Lord Jesus did not know sin, sin was not in him, and he did know sin. The Lord Jesus was perfect. And because of that perfectness, the Lord Jesus, uh, or the devil, could not find anything in him. In John chapter 8, the Lord Jesus asked, who can... Oh, no, maybe I read again. Um, John chapter 8, verse uh, 46. Yeah, which of you convinces me of sin? So there is no opportunity for anyone to fight any sin. Even it's very striking when we see later on the Lord Jesus... Uh, in front of Pilate and and all these Pharisees and they were calling false witnesses and they could not find uh, false witnesses who were uh, in harmony with each other, right? There was nothing. The Lord Jesus was perfect in all ways. How beautiful. Uh, the only one that reminds me, uh, we have these two persons in scripture where we do not find, especially mentioned of whom we have these reports and, uh, we don't find any sin mentioned is Daniel and and Joseph. And with Daniel, it said that they were accused, or that they looked into his life and couldn't find anything to claim him of. Right? And this is also beautiful when we see this connection. Joseph, he did not fall into this temptation. The Lord Daniel, he was also one of these perfect characters, even though they were probably. Not perfect, but they are not mentioned. And the Lord Jesus is the only perfect one that we find. Of Joseph, we we know at least that there was one weakness that he counted on flesh or that he wanted to make flesh to his arm when he said, remember me when you come out of prison and uh, get, get me out of prison. So that was maybe one weakness we can find in Joseph's life, but we have not reported any sin. And this is how it is beautiful in every detail when we look at Joseph's life. But one thing is very striking. Joseph did not know what was happening to him. He did not know what would happen when he came to Egypt. He did not know what would happen when he started working in Potiphar's house. He did not know what would happen when he uh, was coming in this morning to into the house of Potiphar no, no one was there and the wife tried to get him no Joseph did not but the Lord Jesus he knew everything you can read this one verse in Luke chapter 12 verse 50 it says there the Lord Jesus he speaks right and says but I have a baptism to be baptized with and how am I straightened until it shall have been accomplished. And when we look into John chapter 13, in the beginning, it says, Jesus knowing, Jesus knowing, he went out, right? Lord Jesus knew exactly what would happen, but he still went. He still went on to the cross of Calvary. This is wonderful. And this should warm our hearts. It should really make this person, yeah, greater for us. And we look at him and see he came out of love, made himself a servant, And he did that even knowing what would happen to him. And still he put his face towards Jerusalem and accomplished everything that was to the Father's will. And maybe I can add at the end still this one thought. And the Lord Jesus was coming voluntarily on this earth it's still always in harmony with the will of the Father and obedience to the will of the Father. So the Lord Jesus came voluntarily, but he also was sent by God, right? We cannot understand that, but it's true. And as he came voluntarily, he was obedient. And this is something that that we cannot grasp really because we don't know what it really means, right? To do something voluntarily at the same time. As to be obedient and submit yourself completely under the will of the Father. We can experience a little bit if we put ourselves, if we are willing to serve God, and if we are following the, the yeah, God's word, his commandments, and then we know a little bit, but still we are not perfect as the Lord Jesus was. We will never experience in the same way as the Lord Jesus experienced. it, but. We will a little bit um, know or we can follow him on this pathway as he went before us. And this leads us now to the second part, the practical part of this chapter. And this is now the second side we want to go through. And we see again, we start in verse two, right? And we start again at this uh, moment where where um, Joseph was brought to Egypt. There was no coincidence that Joseph was brought to Egypt. Nothing happens by by chance, right? Nothing happens as a coincidence. You know, we just just got a a little bird, a a love bird that flew here in our house and stays with us now. This is no coincidence, right? It's sent by God. Nothing happens without purpose. God is in control. He calls a fish. He calls a bird, right? He calls everything, whatever he wants to. And this is important that we realize in our lives there was nothing very pleasant for Joseph, right? That he was sold by his brothers. But there is no coincidence. So even though you might think there is no uh, good part in my life, there's something happening that's really bad. That hurts me. It's painful. Trust God. There is no coincidence. Does God that he has, at the end, a good, uh, something good in mind. And we can find that out when we look into um, chapter 45, because that exactly happened with Joseph. In Genesis 45, we read in verse 7, after the famine was in the land. So that Joseph said to his brothers, I think you're right. Um, So God sent me before you to preserve you a remnant in the earth and to save you alive by a great deliverance. So Joseph came to the point when he was looking back, he said, God sent me before you. And when we look into Psalm 105, we find the same thought again. And this is very interesting. Because it says there as well, Psalm 105, verse 17, <clears throat> that God, He sent a man before them. Joseph was sold for a bondman. How can we understand that, right? Now, but God allowed that to happen, and it was God's purpose. We cannot understand that. But we see that Joseph went through sufferings to glory in the same way as the Lord Jesus did, and He did and we can we can trust God that at the end that's what we learn later on in chapter fifty that there is something good coming out of it when we trust God in every detail, He will help us. you know we should always remind ourselves that nothing happened that we cannot bear first um, um first corinthians ten thirteen says that Let me read that again. 13. No temptation has taken you, but such as is according to man's nature. And God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able to bear, but will, with the temptation, make the issue also that you should be able to bear it. The Lord takes care for it. When we are following him and when we trust him, he takes care for it. He will never allow something to happen that we cannot bear. And with that, what he allows to happen, he gives the strength. Only thing that we need is to trust him. And this is what the devil wants to destroy. He wants the trust to the Lord Jesus and God our Father is destroyed. This is gonna be very, very hard. And this is why we need the shield of faith, right? That we have in the armor of God to um um to defend ourselves against these fiery attacks of, of the devil that who will sow doubts in our hearts who will uh, bring us to to not <laughs> to think that god is not anymore for us right as we find that in, in, in romans chapter 8 verse 31 but if god is for us who will be against us the devil always tries to destroy these two aspects at first he, that we doubt in who God is for us. And secondly, that we doubt in the promises of God. That we doubt in that, that this, what God has said, is not true for us. He will bring us to that point. But how beautiful. God has provided everything we need. We have the shield of faith to um, defend ourselves against that. We have the word of God. To look into and to cling on, and this is the reason: the better we know a person, the more we trust him. And so it is with the Lord Jesus and with God our Father. From this point, let us be encouraged to to really look into Scripture to learn the the Lord Jesus better, to get to, to know the Lord Jesus better and better. Then we find here in um, in, in in chapter. 39 verse 2 to 5 against again the lord um joseph as the one who did his work well right he was a diligent man he was very uh he did everything i think what he did he did it for god and not for for his master on earth and this is exactly that what we can learn from it the question is how do we study? how do we work right is it for our own career are we aiming for a special level of career level that we go, want to go to or are we really doing the work for God? Is it, What is the motivation of our studies? What is the aim that we have? Right? Is it glorifying God or is it something else? Do you want us to get some more money? What are the decisions? When you have to make a decision, what are you going to uh, work in the future? Which, um, training you will do, which uh, masters or studium or whatever you will do, right? What what leads you in this decision process? Is it something that is just the, oh, yeah, you know, Mark Henry, he's always asking me, as uh, our third son, so, daddy, if I work this and this, can I get good money out of it? And, of course, it's interesting for young boys to, they want to earn good money, and I, I understand that, and please don't misunderstand me, but the point is, that we need to come, that everything that we do is for the Lord at first. And this is exactly what we find in Colossians uh, chapter 3. We read these verses. Colossians chapter 3. Um, it says there in verse 23, Whatever you do, labor at it heartily." As doing it to the Lord. And not to men. We have seen. The house of Potiphar. Was blessed. Because of that. What Joseph did. And I am still convinced. If we do our work for the Lord. The Lord will bless this. Here on earth as well. I have experienced that on my own. And I see that in other cases. That it is wonderful. if If we stop following our own goals, if we stop following our selfish uh, carrier points, then the Lord will bless us. And I'm I'm totally convinced, even though we don't have a promise for this on earth right now, right? But I'm still convinced that the Lord will give a reward, in which way to that if we do it for his glory. Then we see... In verse 6 here in Genesis, chapter 39, verse 6, that Joseph was a beautiful man. So what can we learn out of this? We learn from the Lord Jesus that God does not look on the outward appearance, right? So they are here, young men and women. And um, I don't say you don't have to look on your outward appearance. You can do that, right? But it's not the first point. What we need to know is... That God looks in our hearts. He looks at our motives. He looks at our um, purpose of hearts or decisions, right? We, we, we make every day. He looks what is the, what constrains us, so to speak. What is the, the motor, uh, the engine, the engine of uh, our, our life that, that is, uh, uh, keep our, that keeps us going and, and where we focus to. And, when 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 we have this in mind, it changes, right? Of course, we and God has. Oh, there is one verse that just came in my mind. It says that God um, has joy about the truth inward truth or something like that. The the inward truth that is in us, and I think this is this is still true. The uprightness before God is very important in our life. When we have that and we are upright before God and before man, then it is a beauty that is there for God when we honor God with everything that we do, then it is beautiful for God it's not if we um if we have the best closest right that's not that's not what it makes out in this in this in this time every everyone is out of um uh yeah you, you, you need to have the best and new clothes, and you have need to have branches. And uh, the, um, there are only a few branches that are really uh, the ones that are in, all others are out. And if you don't wear them, you're in or out. But this is not what I mean, right? And this is not important. And it doesn't it, and it isn't important if you have the greatest house whatsoever, that, that's not important at all, right? And uh, everything is beauty. No, the outward appearance is important, but in modesty. And this is what we learn from the New New Testament, right? Women, when we look into Titus, we see how, or maybe we we read that, because I think it might be helpful to read these verses before the word of God speaks always better than I do. So Titus chapter 2, it says there in verse 6, Oh, yeah, no, sorry. That is now about the young man. We come to the, to, to the women in Timothy. But here, the younger man in like manner exhort to be discreet in all things, affording thyself as a pattern of good works and teaching, uncorruptedness, gravity, is sound word, and so on. So we have here at first young man who should be uh, discreet in all kinds, right? There is even, you know, we look, well, often speak about women at first when it comes to clothing and uh, everyone you know looks if everything is sexy in this in, in these days but this is not the matter how it looks uh, how god looks upon us if we want to please god we need an outward appearance that is pleasing him and not people and you know guys sorry to say that i i i cannot i'm of course not the best model right but but it doesn't count how many muscles you have, right? How many times you're in the gym and how, uh, how, how great that looks in one of the shirts you wear. That's not, that's, that's not the main point, right? Um, the main point is what attitude towards God. And is that attractive for a woman? And on the other hand, for a woman, it is the question, what, uh, whom do you want to attract? Do you want to attract God or just people? And we look in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we find that it said in verse 9, uh, In like manner also that the woman in decent deportment and dress adorn themselves with modesty and discretion, and not with uh, bladed hair and gold or pearls or costly clothing, but what becomes woman-making profession of the fear of God by good works. So God has a clear picture what our outward appearance shall be, right? Modesty, fearing God. Is that seen in our clothing? Is that seen in our lifestyle? Let us examine ourselves. Let us prove in the light of God. It is this what is attracted to God attracts a godly woman for man. And this what is attracted to God attracts a godly man, right? So when we have that in mind, we will have couples in the future that are God-fearing, outwardly and inwardly, and all pleasing God. Then we come to the next point in verse 7 to 20. We see that um, Joseph was tempted, as we said, right? And we said already that Joseph was not there by choice. He had to be there. And this is something that is different to us today. Most of the time, we can choose where we go and where we are and what we do. And if we if we do so, we can ask the question, is that what I'm doing, glorifying God? Is it a place where I can be a witness for God, for the Lord Jesus? Or is it something that is maybe not the right place and, you know, I... Usually say, is it a place where I could took the Lord Jesus as my friend with me? Right, if that is, if that is a check, it's okay. If it isn't, we better not there. The place, right? It's very simple and very easy how we can distinguish what we can do and what not. If we know what pleases God, all other things are just, um, yeah, out of our mind, so to speak. And this is the first point we can connect with that. Joseph could not choose. We can choose. We can. We can. We can. We can uh, go to the places where we might be not tempted. Um, or the devil is can be everywhere, but on the one hand, where the temptation is less than in other places. But as we find here, Joseph was grateful. Right? He said, "Your master has given me everything." Why should I do anything? So, whenever we are in difficult circumstances, there's also always a reason to be thankful for something. And we, uh, here in the Philippines, we have uh, still on the lockdown as you are. So, and this for a long time, and especially with the kids, but we are happy to live in the place where we are because we think that God brought us here because of these circumstances. We are very thankful for this. There might be other parts which are very difficult, but it's, there are always reasons to be thankful. How, and if you trust God and if he leads you, he will bring you to the point that you can even be thankful when times are difficult. But then there is, of course, the temptation, right? There is uh, this wife who wants to, uh, to sleep with, um, with uh, Joseph, but Joseph knows that God is watching him. And I think this is very important that we have in mind. We cannot hide before God. It was not possible for Adam and Eve, and it's still not possible for us today. It is something that God knows every detail of heart. It might not be seen by others, but it's always seen by God. And Joseph remarkably says, how can I do Uh, How can, what is the verse here? Um, Yeah, here, verse 9. And how should I do this great wickedness and sin against your, my master, Potiphar? Did he say that? No, of course not. He did not. He said sin against God. Do we see the difference? It's not at first against man. At first, it is against God. Whatever sin we have, whatever sin we commit, at first it is against God. This should always be in our mind. When we have this in mind, it protects us, it helps us, as it did with Joseph. Maybe I can say it often did in my life that I was aware and kept that in mind that God is watching me. You know, it's very easy to do something that other people do not see. But it's you cannot hide anything before God. So let us give that as an admonishment right? To to keep that in mind and in order to protect us in our lives. But how can we, you know, we see here that, that um Joseph went day by day, it says especially day by day that he went into his house and the woman was looking at him. So day by day he had to withstand this temptation. How can he do that? Scripture gives us some hints, scripture gives us some help. And we look into Psalm 119, we find that. Uh, A very nice verse there, 119, verse 9. It says, Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his path by taking heed according to thy word? So, this is a very important point. If we keep the word of God, in our hearts, if we read daily the Bible, if we really make it as a habit before we go out of the, in the morning, before we do anything else to open the scripture, it will protect us. Somebody said, even though you don't remember much over the day, but it is like a basket, right, that has some holes in it. At least it cleans. And that is very important that we have that. This word of God in us that it is becoming a part of us. And, it, and if we keep it, we, uh, it will protect us. We have similar thoughts that we find in John chapter 14. Just mentioned one verse, John chapter 14, 21. It says, he that has my commandment and keeps them is he that loves me. But he that loves me shall be loved by my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And then verse 23, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. You know, Saturday I had a very difficult talk. Of course, someone is living in a great sin. And I asked this person, why are you doing that? Do you love the Lord Jesus? If you love the Lord Jesus, you wouldn't do that sin. Because it is against his word. And if we keep his word, we wouldn't do that. You know, just see Mike there now. Mike wouldn't do something that Abby doesn't like, right? Because he loves her. And this is exactly what we do. We, we so to speak, adjust ourselves a little bit because the other one likes or doesn't like things. In the same way, we have the scripture. When we adjust ourselves to scripture, we are always on the best path, right? And it's expressed, our love to the Lord Jesus expressed in our deeds, in our actions, and what is seen in it. And if we keep his word, we can withstand the devil. There are another verse in, in James chapter chapter 4, that we should draw near to God, and then the devil we can withstand the devil, the devil will flee from us. It's important that we have this close relationship to the to the Lord Jesus in order to withstand. But there are times where we have to flee, as, he, as Joseph had, right? There is no other way than to get rid of this place, to get out of that place, to get rid of anything that is tempting me so st- so strong. And this is when we have to flee. You know, you cannot cannot play with the fire. That's not possible. If you play with the fire, as Samson did with the wives, right? He was defeated at the end. But if we keep the word of God and follow his commandments, his advices, he also gives in scripture. Then we can withstand it first and know the time when we have to flee. Don't withstand when you have to flee, if you want to think, yes, I'm strong enough, I can withstand that temptation, you're already defeated. We are not strong in ourselves, not at all. We are only strong in the Lord. If He gives us the strength we need to withstand, then because we follow His commandments, we follow His word, we follow Him but not in our own strength. You cannot withstand the devil. The devil is very smart and he knows how to do it. Look at the wife here, what she did. She was very smart, but all, all over, she could not nothing do uh, because we see that God had his purpose in it. But we see that it was very unfair of the woman what she did. But at the end, Joseph was the second man in the state, right? But because he flew, he, he fled. He fled, and this is important that we understand that that there is no strength in us that can stand the devil at the point where we need to flee. <clears throat> and another advice for. The man here, right? We have a few men here. Um, it is always good as a man not to be in one room with another woman. So, I mean, one man, one room, um, one room, one man, and one woman, right? To be alone there. And this is a, this is a very helpful uh, thought that should keep us, uh, or even when we're married, right? It doesn't. <laughs> mean that it is uh, of course with our own wives we can be together but not with other wives right it's a danger that is there and we need to protect ourselves in this way whatever measure we have we can protect ourselves we can avoid temptations and as we know we are able to fall into temptation we all fall often i think is what james said right and um so there's no way for us to think that we can withstand it, but so in twice. there has been um, a very famous uh, politician in, in the states, Mike Pence, the former vice president, when he was running for office with, with with the former president Trump. He, I read an article about him, and it was said that he was known for his belief for his faith, and that he never ever did as it's was written in the article, right, would, would have been or is in one room with one single woman. I think it is a good advice. I know that also from other other um, brothers who follow this advice, and I think this is very helpful, for, especially when we are younger or also when we are older, that we follow um, this advice not to be with one room, uh, in one room with one wife alone and nobody can see it. But there is also, of course, the, the positive side of it, right? And this is what we find in Galatians chapter 5. It says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So when we have our joy in the Lord Jesus, when we do that, what the Lord Jesus likes, when we um really occupied with, with the good things, right, then we... We don't have the desire and we don't fall into these temptations as quick as maybe when we just occupy ourselves with uh, sin and other parts and defile ourselves again and again, then it's easier to put into practice what we have seen and what influences us, right? Especially in, in movies, when we look into movies today, um, we find very often that Sexual immorality, immorality is nothing bad anymore, right? There's nothing bad. There is, this is always common. So when this is common, it influences you. Oh, yes. Oh, no, that's not as serious anymore. No, no. no. This is this is common. Yeah, everyone does it. So why, why should I not do it? No, the word of God is very clear. And we have to be careful what we watch, what we listen to, what we... Uh, Take in us, so to speak, every day, that we might not defile us, and that we do not fall as easy um, in these temptations. The Lord might really guard us, guide, guide us, and protect us. But when we pray, and when we have to decide to follow Him, I, I am sure He will He will help us to overcome these things. But then. Joseph's way is not at the end, right? Joseph's way is now to coming into prison. So Joseph did not, was not acted uh, or treated fairly, right? He was um, treated badly. And um, for something he hasn't done, he went into prison. But how beautiful it is. And this is something that is very encouraging. And we look throughout the whole story of Joseph it says and Joseph uh, and Jehovah or the Lord was with Joseph. that's what we find in verse 20 21 and Jehovah was with Joseph and ever we find that Joseph was one step down beginning of 30, chapter 39 and the Lord was with Joseph in prison another step down. How can that be? how can God allow, uh, how can God allow it? and again. And, Jeho- and 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 Jehovah was with Joseph. We know wherever we go, he said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. And this promise, whatever might happen, is true. So let's cling on that. Let's take that and possess it and take it on our hearts that we really live by it. Whatever happens, he will never leave us, nor forsake us. And at the end, we can say with 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 Joseph in chapter 50, Um, which verse is it? Let me check. Yeah. Verse 20, or verse 19 already. And Joseph said to them, fear not, is when he speaks to his brothers. And Joseph said to them, fear not, I am then in the place of God. Uh, Am I then in the place of God? He indeed meant evil against me. God meant it for good in order that he might do as it is this day to save a great people alive. God meant it for good. Whatever happened, if we trust God, God means it for our good. That's what we have in Romans 8, um, 28, right? That, um, oh, let me read it, sorry. On page 28. It's sad. Yeah. But we do know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. All things, even the bad ones, work together for good. All things. Because he means it for good. Because he wants us to trust him. He wants us to glorify him even in difficult circumstances.